this is your trigger warning, the subject of this podcast episode will slowly become heavier and heavier. The discussions of racism, ableism, misogyny, and grooming will be coming up through the parts of the episode. If you aren't in the space to listen to this, it's absolutely fine. Click off, and I will see you next time. Oh, God. Um, welcome to my first special edition of Cinema Insights Podcast, and it is indeed absolutely special because never in my relatively short life did I witness anything so confusing, scary, and terrible at the same time, and I've existed online through Super Hulokeller, and that says something about me. Maybe you're more aware of what has been going on on Twitter in the past week, and you already guessed that the subject of today's episode will be the one and only fan film Spider-Man Lotus. I'm saying this while being fully aware that not only did I waste two hours of my life watching the film, but I also decided to dive deeper into the controversy of last year and uh, some more information that came up yesterday after the film was released. And I'm not sure why the universe decided that this will be a great idea for my mental stability, but here we are. For those of you who have no idea who I am and why I even speak about this, hello, nice to meet you. Thank you for listening in. Uh, my name is Mary. I'm a filmmaker by degree and by profession, and I'm also a university tutor. I oversee over a hundred student productions through the academic year, so working with ambitious projects of aspiring filmmakers is my literal job. When I first decided to talk about Lotus, I went into it with an attitude of a curious cat. It was very interesting to see things resurfacing since the director announced the release date. At first it all looked more or less bearable. Memes on Twitter about the film being done by a bunch of racist and inexperienced kids were legitimately funny, but like I've said, I had no idea where this will take me. Let me be very clear, I haven't witnessed this happen in the past two years. The story of Spider-Man Lotus only came across my awareness about a week ago, so the retelling of the origin story will be exactly that, the retelling, based on the videos I've watched and the things I've read. It all officially began in 2021 when the information about the fan film being in development was announced on Instagram. The project gained its traction and recognition after the revelation of the suit that will be used in the film and slowly after that the cast was announced and in spring of 2021 the Indiegogo campaign was launched for the crowdfunding. Through targeting the correct audience and giving them the things that they wanted the project was growing and really quickly by the end of the campaign, it had gathered over $100,000, given that the initial goal of the campaign was 20 k Everything seemed to be fine, aside from one little mishap where the DMs of uh, the creator of this film, Gavin Conop, surfaced, where he said that he didn't pay the storyboard artists and he didn't care about that. So that was kind of the only thing that came up in the very beginning of this. But oh my god. <laughs> Regardless of this little thing about the storyboarding artists, um, the project was continuously gaining more and more followers and fans and supporters. Um, especially the fans of the comics were anticipating the new take on the character of Spider-Man. And uh, it eventually got attention from John Watts, the director of the recent Spider-Man films, and uh, the Andrew Garfield himself, who portrayed Spider-Man in the amazing um, Spider-Man duology. It seemed that everything's going to be a massive success. 
Everything started changing in 2022 when private conversations of the lead actress started getting leaked, proving the actor to use racist and ableist slurs, which included N-word and R-slur. Less than 24 hours later, the said actor released a statement, which was supposed to be the apology, but it wasn't a very good one. Primarily, it was referring to the fact that, you know, he was used to be young and stupid, he was raised conservative, and that was normal for him, and blah blah blah. We've heard that multiple times before, so not a lot of people bought it. And I also need to specify that I am white myself. This is not my apology to accept, or anything like that, so... Um, this is simply like an observation that I've made from catching up with the lore. At the time, people also turned to Gavin, the director and writer of the project, curious to see if he knew anything about this, and the general response from Gavin can be summarized in one sound. Meh. He acknowledged that he was aware about this and he didn't think much of it, and pretty much continued reminding people to not allow the actions of one person influence how the hard work of the rest of the crew is perceived. The key here is one person. Just remember that. Less than 24 hours after this statement from the director and writer of the project, more screenshots were leaked and now it was Gavin under fire with his private messages with the same situation with using Ensler, Arsler and more. Gavin quickly released an apology, quote-unquote, Using the same rhetoric, I was young, I take accountability, but... And you know that if there is a but at the end of that sentence, that's that usually means that there is no authenticity behind the apology. This is a very, very brief summary of what happened within about 48 hours. Uh, because following these events with racism and ableism being exposed, a lot of ex-crew members came through and exposed the situation that they've experienced on set. A lot of people complained about the attitude that Gavin had um, on set towards the workers. CGI crew has quit and declared that the working conditions were unbearable. And um, th uh, th too much has happened. And I've tried to dig for the old tweets, unfortunately. Gavin himself deleted his old Twitter account, so there is no history left about it. And um, the only way that we can understand really what happened is by um, watching the videos that were created at the time. The one I've used to kind of relate this story is the video by Grayson's Project. Uh, I will, I'm definitely leaving the links in my description for the for, for this podcast episode and also it will be in my show notes. But I highly recommend to watch the video by Grayson's Project. It is incredible commentary um, done at the time when the events transpired and therefore you will get a better insight in how people felt about it. But to summarize, the lead was exposed for some horrible things he said. The director and writer was exposed for being okay with the lead doing that because he was doing it himself. And this was followed by many other things that happened, especially the racist remarks uh, and further doubling down by the actor who portrayed the Green Goblin. It was already a mess, and from the accounts of the people who witnessed it happening, all the leaks and accusations exploded, like I said, within 48 hours. And within two days, the film's reputation was destroyed. The most interesting part is that once that happened, a lot of clips and leaks from the behind the scenes, the costumes and scenes were leaked online. Pretty much the summary of the entire film and what will be happening on screen was already available to the people, including the swinging scenes, some fight scenes. Film lost its relevancy very quickly. 
until the other week. Literally. The story about Spider-Man Lotus came across my feed a couple of weeks ago through the memes on Twitter. Mostly people criticizing the racism of the main cast and the crew. Uh, I wish I could turn back time and convince myself not to look into this more um, and leave this information as is. But I guess what made me continue exploring the lore is a fan-made aspect of it. As I mentioned in the beginning, I work closely with aspiring filmmakers and I was dying to know what happened. How this film actually gained the attention that it did. So I became aware of the project a week before the release, and yes, um, there was a red carpet premiere in LA. Um, do that information what you will. The consensus for me at this point was that the couple of racist kids made a movie about their favorite comic book superhero because they thought that uh, John Watts' uh, Spider-Man was too woke. With the red carpet thing happening, it also became clear that the creators are prioritizing their ego over the film itself because I've never seen the red carpets on a fan film screening. After another short delay, the film finally dropped in line on the weekend and my timeline and the timeline of this film have finally merged together. At this point, I knew a bit more about the film's backstory with all the screenshots and the backlash and decided, decided to watch it. Um, it was motivated by one thing and one thing only. This is a great example of what not to do that I can use at work. It became a case study to me, a form of morbid curiosity. Um, I still wish it never happened though. I have a lot of notes that I could write and I could have done a legitimate review for this film but I don't think I have it in me at this point and frankly I could have given them a standard student type feedback that we usually do at work but again this would be too nice of me and I'm not really in the nice mood right now. Gavin has always betrayed this project as he's very relevant and the only correct way to understand Spider-Man. If you go on his Instagram now, you will see that this character had been near and dear to his heart from childhood. Spider-Man Lotus was supposed to be this ultimate representation of everything good about Peter and Spider-Man. Everything that the MCU and John Watts failed to achieve in Gavin's eyes. And you would know that if someone starts talking like this, they are doomed. The approach I want to take here isn't standard for a film review. The only good thing about this film is CGI, genuinely good effort, and this has nothing to do with the director or cast. This is the achievement of the CGI team, and they've quit in the middle of it. But this is the only positive note. There is nothing else that's good about it. First of all, the whole runtime could have been cut by at least 40 minutes, still making it a feature. Structurally, the story is all over the place, from jumping between flashbacks and current events to not connecting B-plot with the main plot at any point. It becomes progressively difficult to understand what the story wants to be. Uh, were the black and white flashbacks supposed to be the surreal representation of Pete's psyche, while the color flashbacks the factual retelling of the events? How does the story with MJ and Harry complement the main, main plot? There is nothing that answers these questions. But this isn't even the main problem with the writing, if I'm being honest. The biggest, most annoying problem in this film is the amount of dialogues and monologues. And I'm not exaggerating, but there is no scene in Lotus which wouldn't have included a long verbal conversation that would try to explain exactly what's going on and what the audience needs to feel. From the overbearing voiceover that tries to be philosophical and profound, to a very stale, lacking in action conversation between four friends, Gwen, Harry, Peter and MJ. There is not a single memorable moment where the visual storytelling would have been prioritized over talking. 
And what makes the matter worse is the music. Again, every scene would have a soundtrack accompanying the mood of the situation. This is usually the big mistake that inexperienced filmmakers make. When you feel like the only way to drive the emotion in the scene is by adding sad or motivational music, you're not writing or directing well. That's plain and simple. Emotions come from acting, from the way the scene is written, from the way that it's portrayed. When the music is overly emotional but the performance falls flat, it creates such a strong dissonance that it becomes unbearable to watch. And these were most, if not all, scenes in Spider-Man Lotus. We come into the story without an exposition that would have allowed us to start relating to Peter Parker. We only know who he is because we know the character from the comic books or other films. This Parker, the perfect and ultimate version of Peter that Gavin Connop was selling to us, we don't know him. We can't relate to him and therefore it's incredibly difficult to feel the sympathy or anything at all towards him. And when the event that incited the entire thing happens off camera, it doesn't help. The lack of understanding of what pacing is is actually a very common mistake of aspiring filmmakers. I see that in students that I work with as well. So seeing that Lotus dragged so much wasn't a surprise to me. But I would also add here that because the story doesn't know what it wants to be, it affects the pacing, largely. So this isn't just the pacing problem, it's generally the story problem. Structure aside and the main character aside, the other characters are also underdeveloped. I saw a lot of people defending Lotus, uh, weird of them, by saying that this version of Spider-Man is the closest to the source material, which I can't really argue because I'm not a comic book person and I don't have enough knowledge of the source material to state anything otherwise. What I can guarantee though is that the character in the comics probably had a better motivation and the cause-effect experience that whatever Lotus is trying to create. We see Peter suffering on a bridge, thinking about the past events and the speech from the Green Goblin, then suddenly the motivational music starts to play and Peter is determined to do something. What is it? Why? What, what's, what made him start moving? We can have our subjective understanding of that and I know that people who will hear this probably will criticize me for this opinion, but the story doesn't make it clear at all. If it doesn't explain the situation to the people who are not aware of the source material, then it's not done very well. Spider-Man Lotus is actually the proof of why Marvel and majority of current studio productions let us down. One studio started filming for coverage without adding any depth to the choice of shots. It became a new trend. We rarely get any symbolism with the camera work, and this is so clear with this fan film. Not one shot had any thought process behind it, aside from, this could work, or this looks cool. And ironically, Aside from maybe a couple of shots, the rest of them, the, the ones that were supposedly cool, weren't very be boring. Alongside all of this, we also have inconsistent color grading and inconsistent quality of shots, because the scenery of the city is actually much better quality than the film itself, which is a total giveaway of the fact that they've used stock footage. This film was meant to be a tribute and a deep dive into the psyche of the beloved character who went through a traumatic loss of a loved one. Instead, we got a very weak attempt of a teenager trying to declare how important Spider-Man is for him. Through the eyes of the kid in the film, we see Gavin's inner child begging for acceptance and validation. I'm gonna go off script for a second and just explain what I mean by this. This was meant to be a character study film, uh, where we explore Peter Parker, where we dive deep into the specific moment in the existence of the character after his loved one died. And we didn't get it because actually it wasn't that. It really much, very much reminds me of the um, Mary Sue 
type of fan fiction and and in this case it wasn't peter parker who the writer of the film was imagining himself as it was the kid that peter parker came to talk to one of the major aspects of the storyline is the kid who has a terminal illness that collects everything about spider-man and throughout the entire film peter parker doesn't want to see him and then suddenly something makes him do it um again no motivation at all no explanation it just happens and that particular kid that puts spider-man back on his track by inspiring him to be who he wants who he's meant to be is who i think gavin sees himself as because otherwise i can't explain anything in this film this is what I mean, that this was the film made by Gavin's inner child begging for validation. And I have more notes about the film, but honestly, I can't think about it anymore. All I want at the moment is to forget that it's ever happened and that I've ever watched it. With the main things mentioned, I would add that there are a few things that happened in the film that are a dead giveaway of the fact that the story was written by a teenager. That includes the representation of the relationship between Gwen and Peter and the way the mother of the kid reacted to Spider-Man appearing in her apartment. Most actions and performances are very naive and they lack real life experience. Again, off script to add a bit of context to this. Um, so the the relationship between Gwen and Peter in the very beginning is shown as Peter's always late because he's Spider-Man and he's like protecting the neighborhood and Gwen is annoyed that he's always late and thinks um, that he, you know, is irresponsible and stuff. But then we see that Harry gives Peter the uh, engagement ring and Peter is going to propose. Not only the actors are lacking that chemistry to feel like, oh yes, they are at the engagement point, they also look incredibly young to like do the whole in engagement thing. It, it doesn't work. The, the way that story is unfolding with potential engagement and how the relationships between we them work, incredibly, incredibly naive and lack experience, like I've mentioned. And the other scene that is a dead, dead giveaway is, so when the, the kid that has a terminal illness, right, so when Spider-Man appears in the flat of um, this character, the mother is reading to the kid something about Spider-Man. And uh, somehow within like a second, she agrees to leave the child alone with the person he, she's never met before, with a Spider-Man. Um, that was very weird to me because I don't think there would be a mother who would have let Spider-Man or whoever the, I'm not, I'm not going to swear, but whoever it is, I don't, I cannot picture a mother who will allow her kid to be in one room, one-to-one -one with a stranger. Because yes, there are stories about Spider-Man. Everybody sees him as a hero and stuff like that, but you never know. I don't see that ever happening. So it was a dead giveaway pretty much straight away. The story is naive, it's unstructured, and it is it is a cry for validation, um, and that's all I can say about the quality, really. But you know, <laughs> I mean, if you think that Spider-Man Lotus is going to end on that and people will forget and think that it's irrelevant, people didn't. Once I finished watching this fan film, I thought it was over, but once I stepped into the realm of Twitter, more leaks and allegations came through the algorithm. I'm not going to go into detail. I have screenshots in my show notes that I actually published before the the episode comes out as, as a recording, but um, 
So all the screenshots and links and information is there in more detail. You can have a look yourself. But to sum it all up, allegedly Gavin Conop was aware of the things that the Green Goblin actor was previously accused of. The actor who portrayed this character is an acting coach who often works with young actors, and Gavin was allegedly aware of the fact that this actor was accused of grooming his students and waiting until they turn 18 and only disclosed it to the crew members after the scenes with the actors were wrapped. So, additionally, we now have access to screenshots in which Gavin blames the women in the cast in most issues that the production had gone wrong, especially lack of chemistry between the main cast. Those were difficult to look at because I also can see that the women who are playing MJ and um, Gwen in the film are still friends with Gavin and they are actively spending time with him and somehow are not really paying attention to the screenshots but it also isn't surprising to me because uh, when the first allegations back in 2022 came out Gavin managed to convince a lot of people that the screenshots were fake this is why we have this massive division on Twitter discussing all of this so uh, we now have misogyny and uh, the protection of a predator on the list as um, allegations which you know from racist remarks which Gavin Connor tried to blame on his immaturity we now shifted into um, into a very dark place and as if it I don't think it can get any worse uh, the people who are in touch with the cast and are gradually releasing this information are still holding on to more. According to them, the behind-the-scenes situation of this production is far worse than what we are aware at this moment, which I don't see how it can be worse. Uh, I don't know what else will come out, but if I find out, and if you are curious, I mean, you can look on Twitter, but obviously if I find out, since I'm covering this topic right now, I will be talking about it more on my social media. There's only a couple of lessons that we can, can squeeze out of the story. Uh, first one, don't donate to film projects until you learn more about the creators and the proposed cast. Um, without the initial check, there is always a chance to fall into the rabbit hole of horror. And definitely don't donate just because the story promises to be about your favorite character or because the suit looks cool. Because I think those were the main issues that uh, created this whole thing, is that people were so excited about the promises that this film was making that they were clouded the judgment got clouded and nobody looked into the potential and i know there are like there are there is a ton of very talented teenage filmmakers a ton but usually you can always backtrack and see at their previous work when you look at the history of Gavin Conop, there is really nothing there. This was his first project. And giving him $100,000 to create a fan film about Spider-Man was a huge mistake because it boosted his ego, it's given him the money and the recognition that he wasn't definitely wasn't ready for. Does he deserve this whole story? Probably yes, because it's not a happy ending story, right? Um, it's not like he made a film and immediately got like some awards and stuff. So I think it's a great lesson um, for for the cast and for the creators of this film. I I'm also very cynical, so I believe that actually um, he will end up doing something more in the future. Uh, but I do believe that his Hollywood film career uh, won't be on the books for either forever or for a, for a very long time because I can't see a studio working with somebody like this person who has a backtrack of allegations with provable screenshots it's it's a bit insane to me
And the second lesson in this whole story is even simpler. Don't plan overly ambitious projects when you don't have experience or basic education in film. Just because you watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and other classics you, and, and think that you are the only one who understands your favorite childhood character doesn't mean you are a solid filmmaker. Oh, and, and also always have a script reader and script editor because without them this is what you write. So this sums up the whole story of the Spider-Man Lotus. Don't watch it because I've done it for you. There is nothing interesting there. I've suffered and I think I deserve some reimbursement at least by promising that you won't be watching the film. It, it, on YouTube currently it's already over a million views. Um, I mean, you know, negative PR is still PR. Um, there are re-uploads on Twitter if you want to watch. There are re-uploads elsewhere. If you are really, really keen to suffer like I did, um, don't research lore of this project um, because there is nothing but disappointment there. But stay aware because these names might come up again. Um, stay aware of Warden Wayne, who was the Peter Parker, and stay aware of Gavin Conop, who was the writer and director and the sole creator of the movie. It's been Marion, the Cinematic Witch, with a special edition of Cinema Insights. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All the links will be in the description as well as my show notes. All the links, again, to the show notes will be in the description. I will be covering more stuff. Um, please let me know what you want me to talk about. If you have other shitty movies that you want me to review, uh, I'm happy to suffer for you. And um, yeah, let me know what you want the next episode to be about. Over and out.